Hello, I'm Giles Alderson, director of the Dare feature film and World of Darkness feature documentary. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films, how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Joining me is our regular co-host who not only has been training for his kayaking and cycling challenge across the channel to raise money for dogs, but has also been over in LA acting in a new film. It's Dan Richardson. Hello, Dan. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Kayaking first. Go real quick. Go. Right. On the 2nd of September, myself and my friend Annie, we're, we're kayaking 21 miles across the English Channel into Brighton. And then from Brighton, we get on our bikes and we ride to London, 60 miles, back to back. And it's all for, for the uh, Romanian stray dogs because it's a huge problem over there. So we're raising 30 grand to provide a veterinary ambulance for IAPWA, which is one of the wonderful charities that helps those dogs. Beautiful. Thanks, man. It's so beautiful. Thanks. Please support Dan if you can. Go on his Facebook page. You'll see all the posts there and do support. Now, you've been in LA. Yeah. Filming another film, acting yeah. in a film. It was so great. It's a film called Road Trip. It's a wonderful director called Elizabeth Blake Thomas. She's great. I did a film with her last year as well. And we actually had a little private screening of that film that we shot last year too, which is great. It came out really looking good. And um, this time around, I had a small role and um, in, a, in a slightly bigger production with her. And it was just brilliant. It, I love filming in LA. I love that you're a working actor. It's brilliant. Thanks, man. Dan's a brilliant actor. actor. Do, oh. um, do look his website up and see how good he is. Oh, thanks. I've worked with him. He's know. 20 pounds. <laughs> it's more. Sorry, I missed his... Oh, we agreed on 40. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us today is... <laughs> I got excited about my own intro. Name. I love it. <laughs> joining us today is actress, comedian, presenter, producer, writer and director who starred in Hollywood horror film Lights Out, appeared on the West End stage, has been on Mock the Week many times, never mind the buzzcocks. She's even been on Mastermind and won twice. But recently she wrote and directed the short film Amber. It's Andy Osho. Yay. Yay. Hello, Andy. (laughs) Hiya. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. This is fun. This is real fun. We're in your... Well, where are we? We're in my friend's living room. We're, I'm house sitting at the moment, as you do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this it, is where we are. It's Spanish themed uh, living room. It's stunning living room. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, there's books. <laughs> there's books that we can't read. There's, there's, they're kind of books that don't have pictures on them. They're just like... Or in them. Or in them. <laughs> <laughs> He's got all the big books. I don't, books. don't like those books. <laughs> Too hard. Oh, so today we're grilling Andy all about surviving in the film business and writing and directing your own film. So let's talk about how you started because we did <laughs> we did a play together. Am I allowed to say what I call it when I describe it to people? Uh, it's on your website, so yeah, sure. Cool. I call it um, the gay rape pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, me and Andy were in a gay rape pantomime. It wasn't. It was a play. But Andy describes it as a gay rape pantomime. Sure. Why? Well, um... I mean... Well, I'm glad you this, asked. <laughs> that's what you should ask. I mean, it's, there's a lot to unpack with that, with that play. But um, yeah, it was just... It was about... It makes it sound frivolous, like we don't care about the theme of um, rape. But it was just very amusingly done. Um, n- unintentionally. I mean, look, let's talk about filmmaking, guys. <laughs> Interestingly, he yeah. is now a, uh, a kid's agent. I know. He's a big kid's agent. And yeah. actually, some of his uh, kids are in, in the dare. So... Uh, small world. <laughs> wow. What are the chances? What are the chances? He's a lovely bloke. Yeah, no, 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 totally, totally. totally. Lovely bloke. 
but we, anyway, we were in this play and it was, a, which we'll call it a play. Yeah, let's call it a play. It was yeah. at the Pleasance Theatre. Yeah. It was, well, we had fun. We it met was each a other. Fun, it was like the best experience. It was a lot of fun. We did. We yeah. did have fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then I just did a bit more acting after that. Um, so tell because, it, that's, because that's how much fun it was. Yeah. I kept going. So what did you, so obviously you were, you were acting before that, but you started in all sorts of TV shows, EastEnders, Holby City, uh, Doctors, the list goes on. Yeah, I did all the, I didn't do the bill. Never got on the bill. Me neither. Really? Dan? Never. Uh, we should start a little gang or something. <laughs> the people who didn't make it onto the bill. Who, yeah. Who were actors at well, one I've point. never been on all the things you just listed. <laughs> <laughs> never. Have you not? Never. You're not a TV man? I'm all right with that. Yeah. No. Never done a little paramedic in EastEnders? No, I mean, I've, I've done, well, you know, I've done films with lots of the people in those. Programs. Not the same. Yeah, but it's better. Ooh. Dan did make a really good short film with one of the leads from Casualty, didn't you? Uh, Holby. Oh, Hugh what? Quashy. Oh, he's great. Yeah, and he's in Retribution as well. Yeah. Which is a feature. There you go. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on with your TV. <laughs> oh, I've been in everything. <laughs> Wait, did you uh, did you do? <laughs> yeah, we have. We've been in everything. I've we, literally been in everything. Andy has been in everything. Yeah, yeah. So have I. <laughs> oh, oh wow, you went there. Back to the gay rape <laughs> pantomime. <Yeah. laughs> Dan has been in all those. <laughs> so wait, did you do stand up before you actors, or was it the same time? Because no. So basically, I was not getting a lot of auditions. I just had this really quiet patch where I was essentially just a receptionist. And I was like, what can I do? Where were you a receptionist? I was at this brilliant, I have to say, they were the best place. It was this, uh, well, many places, but one in particular, I was at a chartered surveyors and they were very sweet to me because they really supported me. When I started doing stand-up, they like, people would come to gigs and like when I won the Funny Women Award, like half the office came. So they they were like really supportive given that I was like, half the time I was like, um, guys, I won't be in on Monday, got an audition, see ya. But um, yeah, they were really supportive. That's nice. But um, yeah, so I... Yeah, it was just really quiet. Like, what can I do to get some stage time and just write and just be in charge and not have to wait for permission to do something? Mm -hmm. And so I was racking my brain of thinking, what could I do? And then I thought of stand-up. I was like, well, there's no way I'm doing that. That's ridiculous. And then it sort of got to the point where I felt like almost I didn't have a choice, but in a nice way, you know, just like, just do it. Just do it and see what happens and just have fun with it. And it was fun until money started getting involved. And I was like, no, now it's serious. Now I have to like deliver, you know, like when well, I like do people the gigs. Are paying you. Right, exactly. Even if it's like 20 quid, suddenly the dynamic is, it changes because it goes from just being some fun hobby that I'm sort of tarting about with to like, oh, there's like sort of a contract now between me and this promoter. Like, you be funny, I'll give you money. Do you know, I think I came to your first ever stand-up gig. Really? I, 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 I might be wrong. Right. But... It was, you were talking about Arsenal a lot and it was somewhere near here. Yes, um, it was, that was at the end of the course, I think. That was, the, that was like our showcase, as it were, like right. at the end of the course. My gosh, yeah. I yeah. came to it, came to your first one. Cool, That's nice cool, one. right? You yeah. were funny then. Cool, cheers, I was mate. like, she's really funny. Because <laughs> I think, I, you know, I think I'm Tumbleweed. funny. <laughs> I think I'm funny. You are Thank funny. You. But I tried to do stand-up once. Did you? Drama school. I was dreadful. Oh. I mean, absolutely awful. I mean, I'm not really funny. The difficulty with actors doing stand-up is that the, a lot of the time they play 
the part of a stand-up when they go on stage rather than really just being in the moment with the audience. So they kind of have rehearsed their responses to everything that hasn't actually happened yet sort of thing. I, I think that. that's a sort of one of the things I've noticed with people who, like actors who sort of try it for the first time. You're probably amazing. It's probably a shit audience. It was just one person. So yeah, it probably was. <laughs> he was the audition He went, no. And mums are always hard to impress, aren't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you're very natural on stage. When I came to see you quite recently, uh, another gig, you were, uh-huh. you were so natural and so relaxed and just sort of, it, it felt very, it, like you say, it wasn't rehearsed in that actory way going on stage to do it. You were just very funny. I mean, look, we've probably all seen Andy do stuff. If you've not, check her out. It's brilliant. It's cool. really funny. Um, Thank you. Right. So we should talk filmmaking. <laughs> Can I ask a question before we do? Yeah. On Mastermind, mm. what was your chosen specialist subject? Well, the first time it was the Matrix trilogy. Because. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? What was that? No, I just, I'm, yeah, I was waiting for you to say something like, you know, like psychology or something. But oh, the Matrix God, is good. Really? I don't know why. Or Stephen Fry. Or Stephen As Fry. my specialist subject. Yeah, go on. What was the other one? Um, John Humphreys. Who is the, the host of... <laughs> yeah, okay, so very similar. What was his reaction to that? Well, obviously they told him beforehand because he's got to ask the questions and they, we had to get his permission from it. But Because it was like one of them celebrity, you know, charity, whatnot. So it was kind of, you know, he was very sweet and just went along with the joke kind of thing. But he was asking questions like, sort of in the first person, as it were. It's like, in what year did I, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's kind did of Did you cool. know all the answers? I did pretty well. I felt it was weird because I kind of felt like a stalker. Mm, like I'm reading about <laughs> this guy knowing that I was going to he was going to ask me questions about his life and I would know the answers in a really creepy way wow and I won <laughs> twice why the matrix and, and how do you know so much about the matrix well I've watched it about a thousand times all of them like I, they're just my favorite films I I just think that I, I just love them I just there's so much to them even the third one I am one of those people who I will physically fight someone to defend the honor of the second not as much but the third film definitely i think the third film is magnificent i love it why, that why? battle sequence is epic and just the whole the the whole culture of zion and the the theology behind the whole um series and and at first I, I thought that the ending was a bit lame given where it started from but then when i sort of looked at the theology of it um i just accepted it i felt like this makes sense that the, you know Smith assimilates and and or or should I say Neo assimilates into Smith to be able to explode the thing from the inside and I think that's there's a lot of sort of spiritual sort of teachings and stuff like that in the film as well as it being like an awesome action movie it's got everything I love that do you know what? I should see it again <laughs> see how awesome this is because I asked the question about Mastermind you wanted to talk about filmmaking and we've done both <laughs> genius you Mate. guys are brilliant you're gonna go a long way thanks let me tell she's you she's right. <laughs> So we'll go from Hollywood <laughs> Matrix and we'll go to Hollywood Lights Out. Yes. Wow. Now, most of you should remember Lights Out. It was a Facebook little viral, I suppose. Yeah. That was all about when a woman turned the lights out. Out. <laughs> it disappeared. But when the lights were on, there it was, right? This scary figure. And yeah. it got closer and closer every time uh-huh. she did it when she was going to bed. Do you remember it, Dan? No. You do? Yep. I remember. <laughs> It's a st- I like the fact that you accepted that. It's like, yes, you do. You oh, yeah, do. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I got it. The, got the it. podcast's not going to work if I don't remember. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool. It was an amazing little short. It was what, less than a minute? Three minutes or something. Uh, uh, <laughs> amazing little short that was three minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, this um, so the the director of this got approached to then make it into a feature, right? That's right. And as far as I read, that he struggled to do that because he didn't know how to turn it into a longer form of what it was, right? Had okay, maybe you know more than us. Well, I guess they brought in an established Hollywood writer because he didn't write it. I know that, Um, and that I mean, look, it was like a Warner Brothers film so probably that was part of the deal it's just like we'll write it you can you still get to direct it and it'll be awesome and and it was i mean they made a ton of money they got a great cast <laughs> um <laughs> no but i mean like you know le- the leads in that and um <laughs> and um the cps woman who doesn't die um sequel um spoiler yeah oh, oh my god lights in or we... lights no he doesn't know about no. that. <laughs> You've already written lights it. Lights on. Yeah, lights on. <laughs> just the lights on. Yeah, movie. just me at home, yes. just reading some work, paperwork from work and that. And, mm. um, so, yeah, what's the question, really? What ultimately do you want to know? The question I really <laughs> want to know is how was filming that big Hollywood film and the success of it? And I mean, I love the film. It's a really good film and I loved you in it. Thank you. I thought it was a great film. I mean, I, I'm not good with horror, so I... I treated my I know right but when you're filming it even I mean I didn't have any scary scenes my scenes were all sort of daytime and I was dealing with the sort of the kid falling asleep at at school I didn't have any sort of creepy people scratching names on my floor or anything so it was kind of easier but I mean when you see the mechanics of it all with a horror film I guess it's less scary anyways because because but um it was great. I mean, it was a it was actually a, quite a modestly budget budgeted film. I think they I think it was like five million dollars, something like that. It wasn't a huge budget, but still, I mean, it was you know the I think the biggest production I'd ever been involved in. So I just sort of spent quite a lot of time just sitting, you know, behind Video Village, just like watching everything, all the like pe- just seeing what people did and where the end of their job function ended and somebody else's began and how people what people were talking about in between cuts and things like that it's just like just absorbing as much as i could so good it's the best way to do it when you're on set isn't it um how did you get cast how did that happen just straightforward audition and i went in and i was having some acting training at the time that was saying about how you know talking about making your character full and the backstory and doing he had these eight steps that you went through and where's my character live where are they from what have they been through how do they connect with the scene blah blah blah. so I'd done all this work and so I went in for this scene where I'm supposed to be like picking this kid up from school and saying you know why are you falling asleep what's going on and why are you falling asleep in class and so I had this whole backstory where I've had this problem when I was a kid and da, 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 da. so I gave it it's all this holy like really emotional thing and the director was like Oh, the casting director was like, um, so you, you do this job every day and like, it's no big deal. So I was like really mad at this like acting coach should like turning, you know, trying to turn it into this street moment. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And they really just needed a woman to come in and go, listen, kid, what's going on at school? <laughs> just say the lines, <laughs> yeah. hit your mark, say the lines. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so luckily I took the note. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, what do you know? <laughs> um, so I took the note and I, you know, redid it. And then I think they wanted me to come back in again, but I was like traveling. So I I think my agent was like, dude, just give her the job. Just give her the job. So they did. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I no, I was, I was really pleased. I was kind of surprised in a way as well, but like, I was really pleased. So that was kind of cool. That is really cool. I yeah. Like it. I like it a lot. And um, when you did, how many horrors have you done? Um, I think just one. I think Harsh Light of Day, which was more of a thriller horror, wasn't it? Yeah. I, th- I don't think I've done another one. I'm done. You've not horror. done a scary one. No, not a proper scary one. No, no right. extenders, no horror, no, no, oh, whatever. Jesus, who is he? <laughs> I am available. For Dan, a... the actor. Yeah. <laughs> let's get. To, let's let's make this a mission. Let's get Dan in a horror film. 
there's going to be loads of people who'd love to have you in a horror film. What what sort of archetype do you think you would play in a horror film? Ooh. Oh, um, probably a gay rape pantomime uh, guy. <laughs> you can't cut it now. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me again. Been, like, through the whole... No, fuck it. Um, I don't care. <laughs> Oh, are we allowed to swear in this? <laughs> Fuck off. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So, Wait. Um, I think, do you think you would live in a, in, do you think you'd make it to the end? Um, well, interestingly enough, I, I did make it to the, to the very end of the horror that I was in, but the final scene was me dying voluntarily. Okay. Oh, voluntarily, but yeah, right. So yeah, in theory, I guess I would. I, I like see you as like that. a kind of um, like a Quinn type character, you know, like in Jaws, like who's seen the Quint. Yeah, that that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Just missed off the T. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quint is that his name? Is that his name? That's a silly yeah. name. Very silly. Yeah, I thought Quint still like sounds quite Medicine Irish, woman. though, doesn't it? Who? What? Medicine woman. Woman. <laughs> 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 Anyways, anyway, yeah. wait. I want to cast you in a horror film now. I think it'd be great. Here's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Disney get to decide what I do. What? And they might because I'm on a Disney contract. I'm, I, I, work, I do a show for Disney. What show? The Lodge. Oh. And they and they quite understandably because it's all brand protection stuff. They get to choose what I do. What? So I have to send them scripts for them to approve it. While as long as I'm on contract with them, so. Uh, and and the thing is that doesn't exclude a horror because in theory the Disney kids shouldn't be watching eighteen certificate horrors, but they could just go no sorry you can't do that. Well, I suppose it's yeah. probably more thematically what the horror is saying rather than just a, <clears throat> yeah a bit of like both. a flat no or something. Well, it's a bit of both. Yeah, it depends who I'm playing. It depends what the whole theme yeah. is. It depends. It depends on a lot of things. Gosh, that's interesting. Isn't it? And it would depend like if it was a, a kind of a an ITV three-part drama mm -hmm. that a kid could just flick from Disney Channel to that, they'd be less inclined to say yes. Whereas if, if it was a DVD release or a video-on-demand horror film mm -hmm. with an 18 certificate, you'd hope that, you know, there's some amount of parental responsibility that they might just say, yeah, you can do it. And if a kid stumbles upon it, that's their problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, uh, well, what point did you want to start making films yourself? I think I've always kind of wanted to do that, but I didn't know... Like a lot of things, I didn't realise it was a possibility. And so I had this meeting with this Fox executive that really sort of changed things for me because I'd written a script which he'd commissioned like ages ago and I sort of went to see him and just say, hey, look, I'm in, in town, could we meet and just have a chat? And he was talking about, he said to me, like, what do you want in your career? And I was like, I've never been, do you know what I mean? It's like such a weird question if you haven't been thinking about it. So I was like, I don't know, a series regular in something? Uh, yeah. And uh, he was saying he had a Mindy Kaling poster in his office. I think he had, he was uh, sort of part of the team that create the creators of the Mindy project. And he was like, this is what you should be aiming towards, you know, sort of creating your own sort of projects and vehicles and stuff like that. I was like, huh, how about that? Like, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. And then, uh, so I think from there, he just sort of recalibrated something in my head that made me think more in that way. But actually starting to do something, the first thing I did was Brit I Am, which was a film, basically a crowdsource film that was made from a poem that I'd written that I was performing at the end of my Edinburgh show. And then I felt like afterwards that it had more life to it, but I didn't know in what form. And then this idea about turning it into a film started to come about. And then, oh, what if, uh, you know, just we got 
members of the public to to recite lines from the film rather than me doing it all and what if we get them to be like really creative with you know where they do it and how they do it and how they perform it and stuff and so that's that's what we did so that was so I didn't write I mean I didn't I didn't direct the first film I'd say that Adam our editor was really the director of it because he was the one that sort of turned it into something watchable <laughs> I mean not that you know what people said wasn't watchable but it was just all like random disparate elements that he brought together so that was like my first film really and did that give you the taste to say do you know what I really want to do more yeah definitely and also it made me feel like I want to do something narrative I want to I want to write a story and and direct and and create that whole thing so and also <clears throat> I mean the thing that big thing that probably the biggest thing takeaway from Brit I am was more the festival experience than the actual creative one because it was just like I didn't know what I was doing and I don't know if people I mean this is a whole podcast in it in itself like talking about film festivals I was just like oh you just enter them all don't you you just <laughs> yeah just stick them all in whatever it costs yeah you just yeah, spend yeah, yeah. every penny you've got yeah and you and think this could be the one yeah yeah we're bound to get into Cannes. Yeah, what? Even though it takes 70 films, yeah, this is going to be one of them. Easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was a big learning curve. But I think, yeah, after that, I just wanted to write, write something like a uh, narrative something. And you did the grid, right? That's right. Yes. That was an idea that I've been working on for a while. Obviously, I want it to be a feature film idea. And, you know, with The Matrix, that's been a big influence. And I really love all those sorts of sci-fi films that sort of grounded one foot in reality, one foot in a sort of what if, a near future what if. And um, I wanted to, I was at film school and I just, I did a really short film school program and I just wanted to, you, you know, have something that I could show people that was based on this idea because because this 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 course was so intense that there was no time to write an original script which is what a lot of people did I was just like how can you write something good while you're making like five other films and working on other people's films it's just impossible so I was like let me just go to the bottom drawer and see what I've got and so I sort of you know worked that script up and made that instead it was easier just made it like a documentary so we were talking about this grid which is this game show where um it's like a virtual reality game show that people go into and sort of get lost in it so I was like, make it a short make it a short and then just like make that good idea so while you're doing all the stand-up you're still doing the acting you <laughs> went to film school mm -hmm. yeah cool. before i'd started the filmmaking like proper sort of narrative filmmaking i was like i want to be able to know what i'm talking about a little bit and just get some of the basics down before i even put myself in front of a crew and there's this place new york film academy that's got places all over the world and i was like let me just try it let me do just a short course there and it was brilliant it was exactly what i needed we just like did classes on camera and working on all the technicalities of f-stops and all the rest of it and we had a couple of directing classes, a couple of writing classes. I mean, it was really basic entry-level stuff, but it was enough from my post-production background and my acting background that I could piece together what I already knew to have the confidence now to put myself in front of a crew and just go, okay, we're, we're making something. Because that's one of the hardest things, isn't it? Having that, right, okay, it's my vision, it's my thought, and now I've got to tell everyone else what that is. Yeah. And it's getting over that hurdle. Yeah. And when you get over it, it's fine. Well, I mean, first of all, yeah, you've got to communicate it to a, to a crew, but you've got to know how you're going to realize it first. So even things like shot lists, to me, were just like, what? Uh, I don't even know where to start. But, you know, you, you, you just sort of train yourself to think through it. And I'm, I'm sure as you do more films, you get more sophisticated shot lists or more that are more in keeping with your vision um, and more able to communicate your vision. But you just got to keep sort of plowing through it. Mm -hmm. yes. Well, the Wachowskis went in with the Matrix, like fully, they knew everything. They knew the entire world. And 
the only thing that was in their way is that they hadn't worked to that scale before. So the, the studio got them to make another film and then they gave them the Was Matrix. it bound? Is that right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. So It's quite a good film. That so one. so the, more, the more conceived the world is, the more people can go, ah, I get it. it You've got to leave space for them to be able to contribute because I, I feel like that's what execs want as well is to be able to have their say in something. But... Yeah, the more conceived it is, because then they feel like they can trust you probably mm-hmm. if you know if you know what you want. I think it's all about confidence as well. Sometimes, if you're going, this is my vision and what I need from this and what I want, and mm. I planned out the shots and I planned the look, I think that really comes across strongly. Yeah, it's true across the board, isn't it? Because what, who doesn't love that as an actor? When you you just talked about it when you went in for the audition for lights out i think you said where you you gave your interpretation and it was a certain thing and and in this well in that particular case strong but wrong yeah and uh, it was just it was just it was flat out wrong and the guy the guy um the guy asked you to change it up but the thing is how many times when you've got it right which of course you don't know this at the time of the audition you they're not going to say to you that is exactly what i was looking for but now I want you to change it up. They they want you to change it up so they can see that you could, they can show you that they can make a strong decision and you can show them you can adapt and stuff. So it's true of it's true across the board, you know, from acting to to you know the concept that you're pitching as a filmmaker. I think it's so important because it does give that opportunity to say this is what's in my because what you talked about earlier is spot on. You've got it's you can have this you can have the most incredible idea in your head, but how does that translate on screen? And there's an enormous number of things have to happen for that across. Every single discipline in the in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as well from the process of like, because the thing that really intimidates me about filmmaking is when you see those filmmakers that have got a really clear vision and it, you see it in all their work. I find that so intimidating because it's like, God, how did you how did you get to that place? But I suppose it's from constantly doing it and constantly finding your voice in the projects that you're doing, and I suppose picking the ones that resonate with you mm. and having the means as well right because when you as you said about the matrix you know at that point where they had the vision they probably had exactly the same vision of the matrix before and after making that step in between movie mm-hmm. but it's just how do you get that how do you demonstrate that concept if you haven't got you know bucket loads of money behind you i think no i think you just have to do it i think even if you're just draw it's drawings and just notes and copious notes and like you know you hear about some pitch meetings where people get out and literally are acting out scenes i think if you've got the passion behind it people interpret that more than they will seeing you have you know if you took you went to an fx studio and mm-hmm. went oh, okay here's what the planes would look like here's it but if you've not got the passion and the heart and the sort of connection with your story i think that's sort of irrelevant i think it's got to start with the the passion for the story and it being just part of you that you're just putting on the outside of your body almost yeah i do uh pitch videos as well so i'll not sort of present i'll do a because you know it's sometimes difficult when you're in a room with execs and you've got to then sit there and pitch your film sometimes it can be quite intimidating so I, even though I'm all right at it, what I thought I'd do, because then I can send this, is do a video of it and then put ah, visuals over the top nice. of me speaking because you don't want to see me for too long. Um, and, and that really worked. And then I did a mood reel as well. So they had this double thing plus the vision pack. And it suddenly it became very clear what I was aiming to do. And they go, oh, okay, I see what you're trying to do now. And I think that's that's useful. I think, like you say, everything you can stick at it it just shows you give a shit it shows you care and want to make something really good it's so true so let's talk amber Mm. look amber's a beautiful short about teenage fan fiction writer who takes her boy band obsession too far um i loved it 
I absolutely love the short. I think it's brilliant. Thank you. Um, tell us why you chose that idea. Tell us how it happened, why you want to direct, all those things. So this came from a documentary that was on Channel 4 called, I can't remember what it's called, but it was about One Direction fans, basically. And from the moment that I saw the advert trailed, I was like, I want I have, have to watch this. I don't even know why, but I've got to watch this. And... I just think this is brilliant. There was girls that were getting like restraining orders and they, you know, there was one girl and this is the turning point for me. She was sat in her bed in a like pink bedroom with a, you know, Harry Styles posters on the wall. And she goes, we've got a fan base that's so strong. If we wanted to, we could kill you. Words to that effect. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah, exactly. I was just like, wow, this is interesting. And I started thinking back to when I was a teenager and how without, I don't know how to say this appropriately, but teenage girls are more sexual than I think we we are comfortable with accepting. And also very intentional. Like if a teenage girl wants something, she'll get it. And I thought that was really interesting and maybe something that might be worth exploring. And so that's where Amber came from, basically. And I was like, well, what if, okay, so we're always seeing stalker films and it's always told from the perspective of the person being stalked. They are, we're rooting for them and they, we want them to vanquish the nasty person that's like troubling them or whatever. So it's like, is there a way of telling that story the other way around? Is there a way of us rooting for the stalker in any way? And what if they weren't an adult woman who's never married? <laughs> what if they were a teenage girl? Like, would that be scarier or less scary? Um, so that that was basically the the genesis of the idea. So I, I wrote something um, that was really quite bad um, and just showed it to my editor who became the exec of the film. And um, he's like, this is this is pretty crap, but I kind of like the idea, like write another thing. And what I realized, I forgot that there's this magic period when you finish writing something before you look at it again. Um, that gives you fresh eyes. And I was so excited about this. that I basically just sent it straight to him and forgotten to, you know, give myself that. So I always factor that in with writing now. If I was going to give anyone a, any advice as a writer, it's do that. It's just give yourself as long as you can between finishing and... Don't send it too soon. Yeah, yeah we've all done basically. That. We'll And also soon. really sort of, I'm really training myself to show people as well and trust um, uh, myself to be able to hear notes and not feel devastated by them mm-hmm. even if they're it's good but just the last line no it's perfect but that last line is the best thing <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and it's just like being able to hear criticism and notes and suggestions as they're intended you know but anyway so I did another draft and we sort of bounced it backwards and forwards a few more times got a crew involved I mean I'm making this sound like it was really straightforward but um, it involved an Indiegogo campaign, which was an education in its own it's right. It's a full-time job. Oh, my God. And I'm I'm really glad that I researched the whole process because mm-hmm. that was one of the things that kept coming up over and over again is it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. So I was like, cleared out the month of February and committed to fundraising, essentially. We reached the finish line in terms of time, in terms of money. We fell a little bit short, but I knew I'd have to make up some of it myself. So I did. But you did. You got quite a lot i mean yeah you've really got to work hard even if you have a public persona which to a degree i have Mm -hmm. you still have to hustle you still have to work it yeah on amber yes how did you cast it oh casting is so much fun have you guys done casting yeah yeah um i loved it um we we um for the girl in fact for the girl and the guy we posted it on spotlight and also i think we used casting call pro I was actually a little bit cheeky in the sense that I had people do one, um, send me one video of like one page, one page of dialogue. Um, I think, was it, was it, was it a two-hander? 
I'm not sure. But I just wanted to be able to see people because I wasn't in the country. So from there, I chose people to do a longer scene. So I sort of whittled that down to sort of maybe 15 of each, 15 guys, 15 girls to do. And then I brought them in in person. So they had to jump through quite a few hoops, which I kind of felt bad about given it was just a short film. But we were paying people. So I didn't feel like... I felt like I, it was so, this is so hinged on the like two Lee characters being awesome and being a good fit as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of had to, to go through all those processes, but like being in the room with the actors, it's so funny how some, like, cause some people were sending in tapes. I was like, that's my Charlie right there. There he is. And then he would come in and he was like five foot. <laughs> I hadn't anticipated that. Of course. I, yeah, he yeah. has to be bigger than her. Mm-hmm. To, to look intimidating this, and look he, like he could. Well, just look like he's in a boy band and just be, yeah, like someone who dances every night at the O2 Arena. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, spoiler alert, though. A lot of boy band members are quite small. Are they? So, yeah. Well, it was just, I don't know. They uh, And they're short. <laughs> See, it's like being in the best. Sounded a bit bitter there, Dad. Yeah. I don't know. So did none audition of roles... for One Direction then, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was too small. Um, too old. <laughs> I can't say that. I just that doesn't make any um, sense. My actors were the best paid on the job on the of the whole crew. That's so nice because it's normally actors aren't paid on short films and low budget films. They're often the ones that don't because there's so many you know you kind of go well they'll do it for nothing and yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll pay the grip or the gaffer or the sound yeah. guy who needs that so I, I like that you did that yeah i mean i there's four people i think that didn't didn't get paid anything i'm gonna say apart from the indiegogo perk people because that yeah as a perk you could be an extra on the on the film but it was like me the um a ep and the uh producer we're the only people that didn't get paid everybody else got paid See, that's lovely, isn't it? Mm. It's nice to hear. Well, it was important. I felt impo- it was important for me because then I, I just needed the freedom because I got a bit of a guilty complex, I think, about money. Mm. I just wanted the freedom to be able to bollock somebody if they fucked up as <laughs> well. <So, laughs> you know, <laughs> so and just be, be able, just be able to just have a professional relationship with everybody. Yeah, it's much harder to do that um, if people aren't getting paid. Mm. If it, it is because you, you, someone's done something wrong. You want to go, I, what are you doing? They'll go, well, I'm off home then. So right, you, yeah. Whereas if you're paying someone, they'll kind of go, well, yeah, all right, I fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah, don't fucking do it again. <laughs> it gives you that freedom to actually, not that you want to bollock someone, but also that you can say, come on, yeah, up a little bit. Just to have that relation, that professional relationship, I think that's best fundamentally what it is yeah. yeah and but i think that's partly my guilt because there's loads of people that um you know work unpaid and are massively pro- pro- professional you know sometimes giving even more i mean look at the play that we did like we weren't really i, mean, I think we got expenses or something I like that but but everybody was there's was no unprofessionality is that a word everyone was like really professional, was professional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um okay how was it directing so this is, let's say this was your first major one if you like where it's just yeah. you right yeah yeah totally. how was that to step up and how did you work with the actors my favorite part of it was working with the actors I mean I think that um when I started to feel a bit insecure I sort of just reminded myself that there's different types of directors and there are some who are super into the technology and know all that sort of stuff and you know storyboard everything and all the rest of it and there are some people that are just best with the actors and I might be one of those because that was the bit that I found thrilling is to work with actors and talk through what does this character mean and uh, what what do they want and what's your what's your arc and and you know talking about the backstory creating this whole life for mm-hmm. this person and Kat in particular was really good like that she had you know a diary for her character and all this sorts of stuff so 
that I, I find really thrilling on the day as well just being able to presence for the for your actors what's going on and why uh, to get what you want and and having had a lot of actor tra- good actor training as well particularly in LA having the language that you need to get what you want without telling them what to do because that's one of the most horrific things as an actor is when, you know, directors basically going, cry, really, bitch. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need tears and I need it now. Yeah. However or, you do it. <laughs> or worse, give you a line reading. Oh, God, no. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I'd never did it. I haven't done it. Mm. But there's times when you kind of, you almost wanted to. You yeah. You kind of just, uh, if you could just, oh, how am I going to word this? And you yeah. have to try and find words that conveyed to an actor what would make sense yeah i think it's kind of fun in a way it's a kind of fun challenge to find the words without saying the words mm-hmm. so that they the, that they can get it i don't i hope I've, i didn't give them any line readings but yeah it's kind of almost like a little puzzle that you yeah, have to... <laughs> if you want to get a certain sort of reaction from them how yeah. do you say that to to so they get it and don't insult them yeah so it's like look. but also so that it can sink down into them because mm. if you a line reading also just lands superficially anyway so so that's probably more why it's important not to do that but um yeah there was one I think it was like the fourth day of filming where I my DP was like where where do you want the camera for this particular scene it was like the first scene of the day. And I was just kind of looking at this huge room that we're in. We're only shooting in like one room for most of the film. And I just didn't know how I wanted to cover this scene. And I went outside and I took my first AD out with me. And I was like, James, I am going to have to lean on you today because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he's like, okay, mate, don't worry, don't worry. We'll, we'll get to it. Because he's, he's a director and he basically came on board to just do me a favour and hang out sort of thing. So it was amazing having him there. So I had a bit of a cry and then came back into the room and yeah, we just sort of cracked on with it and just worked through it piece by piece. Because I think probably I just got overwhelmed with there's so much to do so much to cover how do you do it right so that your editor isn't going to be like the fuck is this <laughs> do you know what i mean so you've just got wide 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 yeah exactly <laughs> Can't cut to yeah, any yeah. Of this. is this shot on an just iphone yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah exactly so um that was quite an interesting moment of just like you know because there probably there was a younger Andy that would have tried to push through and been a bit mean to people or something whatever but this time i just accepted i'm I'm momentarily out of my depth. Mm-hmm. And then what can I do to stop that being the case? Okay. Yeah. Drag people into the water with me. Yeah. <laughs> I, the same happened to me. I, was, I think it was 15 days in of the 18 day shoot and hours. My brain was gone. It was so hot. And I, in that morning, I just came in. I knew what I wanted. Mm. I'd already got it. I'd written it down. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. And then I just went, oh God. Someone goes, where, where do you want to start? And I go, uh, uh, oh, just something just stopped. I had to just literally have a word with myself. Yeah. And I spoke to my DP, Andy, and, and just said, uh, mate, I've, my brain's gone. And he went, don't worry. You know how you start. You're doing this shot here. And I went, thank you. Came back That's in the room. we here. Yeah. <laughs> and it was fine again. Maybe there's something about being three quarters of the way through or something mm. that just like the brain has to just have outside influence to help it reset or something. Yes. Yeah. 
because you, you think oh we're flying we're doing okay so maybe mm. something just calmed down a little and so yeah we just went, oh no don't calm down yeah stay focused stay on it yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. think that's one of the hardest things um so where can we see the film now what's happening with um it? so at the moment yeah it's going through uh the festival thingy we're doing that again um Are you ch- you're choosing which festivals this yeah time? i've learned a little bit about the brit i am experience and also with the grid because it was interesting because the grid i don't think it is a great film or anything but what it is for me is a great source to cut down to make quite a sexy trailer so if i do or when i finish the feature film i'll um be able to send people the trailer and just go this is the vibe you mean finish writing the feature film fin- finish writing the feature film yeah and so i when i was doing the festival thing i went into i i started submitting more to genre festivals which is a thing i hadn't even realized so that was a totally different experience from brit i am where we were just trying mainstream festivals and so with amber we did a little bit of both we started with mainstream festivals we weren't getting a huge amount of love so just thought ah, oh, let me try the genres and that's been much more rewarding. Um, so it, we are uh, going to be screening, I think it's our London premiere actually, at uh, the British uh, Urban Film Festival. And it's going to be in the BT Tower. What? I wow. know. Um, when is that? Um, so know? that's, I think we're screening on the 9th of September, but the festival is something like the sort of 5th or 6th of September through to the 12th, something like that. And then we're going to be in Hollywood. Ooh. I mean, not Hollywood, sorry. Oh, well, we, we premiered at the Hollywood. Brentwood. <laughs> Brentwood. No, we're Venice. The other yeah. Venice Film Festival. Oh. What? So we're doing that as well. That's in October, I think 7th to the 9th. And then we are in at the Aesthetica Film Festival in York. We love that festival. In November. Well, I've never been, so I'm going. I'm going to do, I'm going to be doing a talk <laughs> um, about... Um, Just listen back to this. Press, yeah, basically. Press play. I'm going to yeah, get, get the paper out. <laughs> I'll, I'll put a caption up explaining the um, gay rape pantomime. <laughs> Just so, bit of, bit of history. Just for so, a live action explanation. Wow, we'll get Dan up. We'll cast him. Yeah, yeah, Disney he loves talking yes about that sort of stuff. I'll send a tape to audition. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, um, I, we've got like a few festivals we're waiting to hear back from, but that's where it is at the moment. And you're writing another feature at the moment, is that right? I tell you what, I, I'm I, at the moment. I'm writing a TV uh, sort of comedy drama about a group of homeless people. So yeah, because I feel like they're a group of people that are always like the you know just vehicles for somebody else's story, or they're sort of catalysts for something. They're never they're never the subject. And why is that? Why are they sort of just these hidden people in our society that we never you know cool. look beyond being sort of two dimensional sort of figures, Sounds shadows. Great. Sounds great. I look forward to reading. Cool. I'm enjoying writing it, actually. So, yeah, I'll let you know, get on. All right. All right. Um, uh, advice. Give us some advice to aspiring filmmakers or what you've learned. Oh, God, it's so obvious, but I think it's just do. Don't wait for permission. Just just do it. I tell you what, work with people you like. Work with your friends. Because I, I remember, like, thinking, why does Judd Apatow have so much fun? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that dude enjoying he's, making comedy so much? Mm-hmm. It's not just about working with funny people. It's because he's working with his peers. He just takes this group of people with him. I mean, obviously, new people come in and he sheds others who go off and do their own projects and stuff. But he's essentially always working with people he really loves and enjoys. The best thing is when you're on set with people and just bantering and laughing and you're all on the same side and people give a shit about the project as much as you do. And I, it was a real sort of moment of clarity of just like, don't worry about trying to network that executive who will forget you the moment that you're out of their office. Network your friends, get them excited about your ideas and work together and get excited about their ideas. 
Love it. Great. Uh, we love, and that's actually, do you remember, that was one of the first themes we talked about with you, me and, and Andy in one of the earlier podcasts. We, we asked ourselves the same, the same exact question and all of us answered that, that same way. Mm. It's so important, isn't it? Because otherwise, why are we doing this? We've got to enjoy it, right? Yeah. It shouldn't be hard work. No, it exactly. Is, <laughs> We should at least have fun. It should be fun, hard work. Yeah. How yeah. about that? Cool. So where can we follow you? Oh, uh, Twitter. Not just down the street. Is like that what you mean? Like, oh, right, not, in, not in the flesh world. I don't no. like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> always weird. The <laughs> not in the what? The flesh world. The flesh world. What's the yeah. other world? The ghost no, the online world. world isn't ah. that? So Tim Minchin calls it the flesh world. Maybe he said it one time in a, in a tweet or something, but it just stuck in my mind. Just personally to you. <laughs> yeah. I see hey, him in the flesh world. Yeah. <laughs> it's really disgusting, but I like it. Um, you know, like Twitter, Instagram, that yeah, type of thing. All yeah. oh, right. Okay. The Andy O Show with a W on the end. Woo. That's all of them. Facebook. You know, I mean, I'm most present. I'm most sarky on Twitter. I'm most sort of photographic. <laughs> On Instagram, on Instagram, which is what it's for, and I'm um, least present. It's funny. This anyway. Um, <laughs> oh wait, your website. Tell us your website. Uh, no, the website's not got anything on it of interest. I'd go to I'd go to Twitter or Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Or oh, look at YouTube because when you made, uh, I was going to talk about this quite a bit. When you made Amber, oh yeah, you did a, a, a video blog. Oh, that's right. Talking yeah. about Amber. Yeah, the whole I mean, process of making a film. That is quite a, a useful thing, I guess, if you're into filmmaking. And that is, yeah, I just documented the whole the whole process from basically um, just after I finished the script, right through to um, edit through production, through uh, post production. I think the last vlog might have been at Pinewood, where we did the grade and the sound mix, which is awesome. I was in the same room as Denir- uh, Scorsese had been the week before. That's cool. Maybe he was still there. He's quite small. <laughs> He's in a boy band. So. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so do check out Andy's work. Do have a look and do follow her on Twitter and, um, well, Instagram. Really. Yeah. yeah. And YouTube. Now you mention it. Uh, that makes sense. Watch, yeah. watch Actually, you know, I don't mind if someone follows me in real life. I've just decided I'm cool with it. Great. So there you go. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> big problem now. Just a safe distance. That's all. <laughs> and Dan, where can we follow you? Uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram, Dan710THS. And you can follow me at Giles Alderson on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the Filmmakers Podcast at Filmmakers Pod. Uh, amazing. Uh, and also go to our uh, website, thefilmmakerspodcast.com. That is it. Andy, you've been amazing. Oh, yeah. thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for having us. Fun. Did you have us? Yeah, kind of, yes. Yeah, Yeah, you did. Not in the flesh world, (laughs) (laughs) mate. Can use that. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Okay, till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.